Hello, listeners. You're about to listen to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. This is a show for any and all baseball fans, and it is led by myself and my co-host, Travis. I'm what you would call a stats nerd, and my buddy Travis was a total stud on his D3 college team. Our goal is to try to show you how we view the game of baseball, and maybe we'll share a few laughs along the way. So grab a drink, kick back, and join us on this wonderful ride through the 2021 MLB season. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Two Tools Baseball Podcast. Alex, we made it to episode 20. Already uh, 20 episodes into the season right now for uh, the 2021 campaign. Um, It's Sunday, August 8th. It's about almost 3 o'clock in the afternoon. We took a little break from the Angels-Dodgers just finishing up the freeway series. A little bit of a disappointing start to that game. Um, Yeah. But, you know, we're we're playing at LA. We're playing against, actually, we're facing Bueller, you know, one of the top guys for the Cy Young. We'll get into that a little bit later. But, yeah, so a little bit of a distant start to to the game today. But, you know what? I look at their lineup, I look at our lineup, and I'm okay with, you know, splitting the season series. We've had, you know... Tons of injuries as well as they have as well. But, I mean, uh, look at the Angels lineup today, and we're talking about Eaton batting second. We're talking about our catcher batting third. We're talking about Gosselin fourth, you know. There's no Trout. There's no Otani. I'm okay. No Walsh. No it's, Rendon. I'm okay with losing some games against it, the Dodgers. It's almost a low-key. Not, tri- not a heartbreaker. Yeah, it's almost a low-key triple-A lineup. So uh, not not <laughs> too Asian, much yeah. of a not too much of a disappointment there, I will say. Um, but, you know, in today's episode, we're going to be covering um, some of the things we forgot to, you know, Last time we we did the uh, recording, it was before the end of the trade deadline. So of course there was a lot of big splashes that happened um, as the you know final countdown was uh, nearing the uh, trade deadline hours. And so basically, we want to of course re- uh, recap all that stuff, go over kind of the winners, the losers, some of the big splashes that were made, and of course kind of go over some of the um, some of the awards that are you know looking to be kind of taking a little bit of a big lead right now for some of the uh you know mvp cy young in the different leagues those awards go over that and of course just cover some other things too angels related you know baseball related but um but alex yeah i'll start off with the the trade deadline of course sure you know we had a lot of big no loud noise that happened the last couple days the last couple hours of the deadline um right yes some of the big news of course some of the big players i'll get into but you know Rizzo and Gallo both going to the Yankees, Baez going to the Mets, Bryant going to the Giants, and of course the big one, Scherzer and Trey Turner going to the already just stacked stacked Dodgers yeah. roster. So kind of give me your take on those. Give me some of the, uh, the, the big... Big acquisitions from those kind of trades going down as the trade deadline. Right, yeah. I think it's kind of an interesting kind of time for us to kind of park... And look at some of these trades because, um, you know, we didn't have the opportunity based on our recording schedule to like get an episode up right after these moves were done. It's almost kind of better in my mind that we're going to recap them now about a week after these moves took place. We can kind of see, you know, how in the first week have these trades kind of factored into their team's success. Right. And so, um, yeah, we can just kind of run through it. Um, some teams that acquired players are rolling right now. Uh, Yankees are actually very hot. Um, they've had a good little stretch of games here. Uh, and they uh, Rizzo and Gallo have both been impactful pieces. Um, I think overall the team is kind of clicking a bit more than, than it was before. 
Um, but uh, you, you can kind of run down the list and see, you know, the teams that made moves are doing well. Um, that's kind of the, the general trend. Obviously, Scherzer in his first start as a Dodger uh, pitched a great game. I think he had 10 Ks, and he did a, mm-hmm. he did a curtain call. He went, waved his cap to the Dodger fans. I saw a, a nice quote uh, from him saying that I think he made it. He might have said he never did, never did that before, but uh, he because he's I think he's like wants to be kind of I guess humble and like yeah. not take the not take the show for himself. But um, Kershaw told him I think like you know give the fans what they want, and so he went and did that. And the Dodger fans uh, loved it, of course. Trey Turner, Travis just made his first appearance this series against the Angels. We're seeing that now. He's yeah. ar- he's already uh, having an impact on ba- the base paths with the bat and with the glove. He's already doing a lot, um, playing second base for them right now. Uh, you know, I think I can see him being a, uh, an important piece for them in the playoffs as well as next season and stuff, assuming Seager might, uh, you know, might uh, leave and have Turner uh, replace him at shortstop. would make a lot of sense in my mind at least. Uh, and then, yeah, you can kind of keep going around uh, the teams that made made these kind of deals. Um, the, the Padres picked up uh, Frazier, of course, to play, you know, middle infield, and it's almost kind of a relief that they did because Tatis is missing time on injury now, and so you have a, a backup second baseman, that's going to allow you to use a Hassan Kim at shortstop sometimes. Cronenworth can play shortstop for second base as well. Um, so, you know, the Padres did good to kind of almost buy themselves some insurance in case a Tatis injury happened, which, of course, is, is what, what they're dealing with right now. But, yeah, Travis, I guess what do you think of some of the moves that are going on, some of the other moves that, you know, I may have missed, and uh, I guess what these teams are doing right now? Yeah, and I'll kind of start in the NL West because I think that, that was really the division that had some of the biggest Winners and the biggest losers. I'll start, of course, with kind of the losers. And I think, of course, the big one is the Colorado Rockies. You know, keeping Story, keeping Marquez, keeping Blackman, keeping all these all-star great players was kind of just like, it was really confusing, I think, for a lot of baseball fans. Even, I feel like, Rocky fans, too. You don't have any, you know, you know, for, you know, you don't see yourself winning in the future, at least not till about 2025 or something out way out in the future. So yeah. keeping those guys was kind of a really a, an interesting, just kind of almost, I feel like disappointing move by the front office and by kind of the upper leadership for the Colorado Rockies um, was not impressed with that as well. Cause all those guys are probably going to be walking, you know, story will definitely be walking most likely at the end of the season. And so, you know, you got nothing for that guy. You look at the Diamondbacks, kind of almost winners and losers. They got Escobar out of, you know, Arizona, but they still, of course, kept on to Cattell Marte. They, you know, Cattell Marte is a guy that's going to be a, would be a great player on a lot of contenders right now. Um, I look at Zach Gallen being a great upcoming pitcher for the future, but I don't know if I really saw him being a Diamondback. I think he they would have got a lot of good return for a guy like Zach yeah. Gallen. Yeah, it, it, it's rough to tell if, if the Diamondbacks right. It's rough to be like, okay, we have you know those two guys you mentioned, uh, Cattell Marte and uh, Zach Gallen. Very talented players with lots of upside, but um, they're both still under team control. It's not like they're about to become free agents, but at the same time, selling them while they're hot, you know, while they have that kind of team control, so when you get them, you got the most for them. Um, so it kind of comes down to like, okay, when are their contracts going to expire, and do we think we can be competitive in that window of time while they're still on our team? So it's almost like in my mind, either you know, you want to extend them or you want to uh, trade them and get the most value you can. Because if you kind of hold on to them for too long, all of a sudden, like, the value you can get in return is going to keep shrinking. And if you're still not competing at that point, you're going to kind of run out of options. Um, You might not want to extend them at that point. So, no, yeah, I do see exactly what you're saying. That that division is so polarizing, the NL West, because these two teams at the bottom, 
you know, it's almost like, yeah, the Dodgers, the Padres, and Giants do have these really great records, and they're being these great teams, but part of that is also because they're playing these two teams, you know, every couple of weeks, they're playing these two franchises no, exactly. that are almost on the, you see these terrible losing streaks all the time that they're on. Definitely, definitely, and, and you know, then going up to kind of the winners, of course, you look at the Padres, the Dodgers, and the Giants, really liked, of course, the Giants getting a big, big name, and that's Chris Bryant, had a huge impact, his first game had a home run for the Giants. Um, let's see if he can at least keep the kind of momentum going for the Giants. They are, of course, the first team in the bigs to get 70 wins. They have kind of a comfortable lead right now, a little bit over the Dodgers, about a four-game lead in the division. So it's still, you know, very close, a good series by the Dodgers against the Giants because they're still going to be playing, you know, in the in the near future in September. Could definitely get the Dodgers to the first place mark in the division, but at least the Giants right now. Um, almost looking at five-game uh, lead in the division. And then, of course, the Padres right now, seven and a half back for the division. Of course, they're probably going to be a, a wild-card team. Um, you know, it, it sucks when you look at kind of Tatis going down right now and possibly probably out for the year. You know, look at a star like that. You really don't – you want to, of course, keep the momentum going because the Padres still have a great shot to get to the World Series and win it. But you don't want, of course – lead to you know more catastrophic injuries for Tatis because you got 14 something years with this guy committed so I see that and then also um, you know with the Dodgers going out and of course it just feels like the Dodgers every single year will make a big splash at the deadline getting Scherzer and getting um, Trey Turner and also getting Duffy from the Royals so it seems like they got that righty lefty combo to almost take over and you know replace the Bauer kind of guy because we don't really know what Bauer is going to be looking like in the next month or two. I don't think he'll play again this season. Probably right. the Dodgers won't even want to even like talk to him because he's, you know, just the kind of news he's brought up. So really, of course, liking to see that the, the Dodgers made that kind of move. Um, Alex, I'll ask you this one question because I was thinking about it before we recorded, but this lineup we're seeing from the Dodgers, I mean, it is so starstruck, which is talent. Yeah, they, it, they literally have, you can look at it, on any given night, they can have, like, two All-Stars on the bench. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's really kind of almost absurd. Like It, it, it is just, I mean, it, it's honestly just kind of insane, the team that they have right now and the rotation they have right now. I mean, you're talking about a team that is pretty much in almost every almost every pitching and offensive category, they're going to be a top-five team, it seems, you know. And so I look at this, Alex, and I say to myself, would this just be kind of like, if they did not win the World Series, let's just say they don't even go to the, you know, the World Series this year, they somehow hey, they lose the Padres in the wild card game, something like that happens. Would this just be kind of like a discredit to their 2020 championship? Or Of oh, course, see, it'd, of course it'd be a, a huge disappointment, but just let me know what your idea is on that whole thing. What would yeah. you think if they lose, they don't so, go to the World Series, what does that say, you know? Sure, yeah. So yeah, uh, good, I guess, little debate topic. Um, what I will say is it's just the nature of baseball, especially baseball playoffs, where... If you're playing baseball against another good team in a series, it really feels like anyone can win. It's kind of about like who takes over like the moment, you know, and mm -hmm. who uh, mm -hmm. who that kind of rides the momentum, and you know, it's kind of who has that spark. And last year in the 2020, the Dodgers had that spark the whole time, and you know, people who people like Travis, like us, uh, many times in different in different debates with our Dodger friends, have said like, um, you know, they got momentum because of this reason and that reason. Yeah. No fans, short season. All the you know whatever it may be, at the end of the day, they were the team that was hot in twenty twenty at the right time, and in this twenty twenty one, it'll be all about who's hot again. Yeah. So if the Padres are the hot team, if the Giants are the hot team, if the Brewers are the hot team, and they end up beating the Dodgers, I don't think that you know it's going to be this big smudge in the Dodgers. Um, 
Because that's that, that, that's the way it was, I guess. I guess in 2019, the Nationals beat the Dodgers. Dodgers had the way more talent, and they were by far the favorites. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't look at that 2019 Dodger team and think less of them because the Nationals beat them. Uh, it just it just kind of about who, who gets hot at the right time. So uh, I guess, yeah, it would, it would feel like um, a disappointment for them, I'm sure. Their championship or bust, right? That's like their mindset. Yeah, definitely. So um, with that in mind, if it's championship or bust, it will be a disappointment. But that doesn't mean it was like a bad move to go and get Scherzer, to no, go get no, Turner. That, yeah. You gave up prospects for those guys. And just because you came up short, it doesn't mean it was like all for nothing. Like if you're at the end of the day, if you're not trying, then what are you doing? So um, they're trying for it again. They're trying to repeat. Obviously, that's why they made those moves to get Scherzer to get Turner, help supplement some of their injuries uh, that they've had throughout the season. But yeah, like you said, if you look at the lineup, Travis, I mean, you can look at every single position has an all-star. <laughs> Literally, like one, like Will Smith is like an all-star caliber guy. Yeah. They have like three all-stars in their rotation. You have Max Muncy's an all-star. Trey Turner at second is an all-star. Seager is an all-star kind of guy. Justin Turner was an all-star this year. And in outfield, you can look at uh, Chris Taylor, Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts have all been all-stars. That's really absurd. What's that? Like nine? It's your starting nine is all all-stars. It, it, it's wild, but... Well, we have Adam Eaton playing right field for the, uh, for yeah, the Angels right now. Yeah. But, <laughs> and, and, and watch out league, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, I guess that's my take. It's, you know, they did the right thing by getting making these moves because at the end of the day, um, they're trying to win uh, the championship. They have their, you know, goals set very high, the bar set very high, and uh, they're, they're going to go for it. So, you know, I, it'll be exciting to watch this postseason if if the teams that um, are trying to keep up with the Dodgers are going to be able to, to shut them down, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, of course, every single time a team goes out and gets this big splash, you're always, of course, happy because, you know, they're they're showing that they're really trying to win. Unlike, you know, being a fan of the Angels, we haven't really seen that. But I'll get in more into the AL West. But, of course, just seeing that, of course, with this team, you know, you could possibly say the 2021 Dodgers roster could be the most stacked. When you go out and get Scherzer and Trey Turner, who I still think Trey Turner is a top three shortstop in the league right now. He is so versatile got so many yeah. strengths on his game and so um and so yeah so i i kind of see that uh but we'll move over to the nl east because it's kind of an interesting division in that race right now because of course you have miami marlins who are you know wasn't really ever expecting them in the trade deadline you know they have young pieces they're building for for the future very promising future for them um i'll talk about the washington nationals because you know we saw from them, you know, they're on their last year with Scherzer. They're probably not looking to sign him. I think he turns about 38 or 39, you know, in the next few months or in the offseason sometime. So well, Scherzer I, is getting older. Right. I, I know that Scherzer had uh, the no-trade clause where he said, I want to be signed yeah. wherever I get traded to. So I do wonder, like, I don't know how that works. I don't know if, like, it's tampering or if they're allowed to, like, sign the extension before the trade goes through. So I don't know, like, I don't know what that status is like. I don't I think know. it's all verbal. Like, it's all just basically, right. so, like, you got to trust him. Handshake you know. deal kind of thing. And why would they not want to keep Scherzer? No, like, exactly. It, assuming he does well in the postseason, which we all assume he will. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that is interesting to kind of see how that might unfold um, in the next few months. Exactly. So before I touch before, like, you know, the, the big the big three teams in the East, I'll go, I kind of want to cover the Nationals because I think I was talking to you earlier about it, but, you know, they trade Scherzer, which of course they were looking to do, but then they just said, we're also putting Trey Turner on the trade block and they trade Trey Turner, which I thought they had a future with him. I thought him and Soto would be kind of the building blocks for the next Nationals team whenever that would be later in the decade. But they trade Trey Turner and now they're sitting with a superstar in Juan Soto and then they have a bunch of young guys or a bunch of just kind of low talent kind of guys. Um, Not going to be major impact guys but you have Juan Soto and then you have kind of just 
regular veteran players. And then, of course, on the roster or on the on the on the pitching staff, you have a two hundred and I think it's two hundred sixty million dollar guy in Steven Strasser, who's been pretty much hurt the whole year, and then a guy in Patrick Corbin, which has not really lived up ever since he signed the contract with the Nationals. I just I wonder what they do and where they go from here because they I, I really thought Trey Turner was going to be a National for a long time, and now they have a superstar in Soto, and then they have Strasburg, who is, you know owed a lot of money, but we don't know really what to expect. Would you see them somehow maybe seeing if they can get a trade for Strasburg? You know, maybe someone would take that large contract or something like that. Yeah. Um, in that deal. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what, you know, I think it comes down to this. Obviously they're trying to rebuild because you trade Schwarber, you trade, uh, Scherzer and you trade Turner all for trying to get as much return as you can. I do feel like they still could have gotten more for a turn, a trade Turner, uh, Yeah. Uh, Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer package, yeah. but um, it's really crazy that you know they went full fire sale and dealt as many guys as they could, and you know what? Um, looking at the division, I wouldn't say it's wide open, but it just felt like almost everyone thinks they have a shot in the next few years. I would say in the NL East, the Mets think they have a shot in the next couple years. The Phillies think they have a shot in the next couple years. The Braves are always going to think they have a shot when they have Acuna and Albies yeah. and, and all those pitchers, young pitchers. Um, even the Marlins have enough young pitchers to where, like, in three, four years, they think they'll have a shot. So uh, maybe they're going to take the foot off the gas for a bit. I'm not sure what the Nationals' game plan is, but they're going to have to pick a time, right, and say, okay, yeah. our goal is to gear up for 2025 or 2023 or 2027. I don't know what their game plan is going to be, but they're going to have to pick a time and try to, like, get everything back together by then. Because obviously they're shipping out for prospects, which they receive in these trades. Definitely. So I don't and know. some good ones. I mean, you got Ruiz from the Dodgers, who's going to be, I think, a stud catcher one day. I think he's a switch hitter too. Um, and I think that they get Lux in that one as well. No, they no, got no Lux. Okay. They, they got just Josiah Gray. Was okay, like, that's I think, right. I think the head, like one of the headliners. Um, so the, um, I guess the issue is, you know, the division, it didn't feel like, because the, 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 NL, the NL West, I'll say, if a team like the Diamondbacks or the Rockies wanted to punt on the next three or four years, it'd make a lot of sense. But for the East, it feels like it's a little bit more like any team could have a shot in the next few years. Mm-hmm. So the fact that they're selling a whole fire sale, essentially, I guess their mindset is we're going to rebuild for a certain time and try to compete down the road. So um, I don't know what they could get for a Strasburg if, unless he's healthy and kind of returns to form because I almost feel like any team that's a competitor is not going to want to trade for that contract. It's going to almost hurt them more than help. So... Um, yeah, they're they're in a, they're, in a, they're in a tricky spot, and um, I guess you know maybe they have some faith in the kind of maybe some upcoming youth in their system. Uh, you know, it, it was really fun watching them in twenty nineteen, and they were an ex- exciting team. But now it's just kind of Soto that's left, yeah. and then like some injured or like diminished pitchers. So um, I hope that they can kind of rebound and figure it out. But that division is going to be uh, really unpredict- un- unpredictable these next few years. I really don't know which way it's going to go, honestly. Definitely, definitely. And then of course we'll talk about the the top three teams: the Phillies, the Mets, the Braves. Ever since you know Degrom has been on the D or on the IL, we've seen the Mets kind of just fade out. And this weekend, we definitely saw them fade out. Big series this weekend that just happened. Phillies had a three-game sweep against the New York Mets, and right now Philly is in control of the NL East. And they have two guys on that team that I want, to, of course, highlight that are pretty much leading the charge and really rebounding and having fantastic seasons. And that is Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper. Give me your take, Alex, on the Phillies and, you know, as you see them sweep the Mets this this weekend and kind of, of course, taking charge of that division at the right time. Right, yeah. 
like, like we've been saying, that division is in a really interesting spot. Um, so the Phillies just took over the division. They just took the lead um, in a big, a big sweep this weekend. And the Mets are just kind of slumping at the absolute worst time for them. They've been leading almost the whole season, the division, and now it's just kind of... Uh, kind of stumbling out of their grasp <laughs> as we get into the final stretch almost. I know. Um, and, and and was signing Javier Baez to complete that middle infield with I, Lindor. I, I was about to say, it almost is kind of an interesting like testament to like, they did try to add at the deadline to kind of almost go all in. Yeah. And with the injuries to DeGrom and the overall slumping in the, in the batting order, I know guys like Conforto have not been what they were last year. Um, guys like Dom Smith have not been what they were last year. Um, Lindor has been slumping as well, just throughout the whole season, more so than than recently. But and a guy like Baez too is just, you know, one of the least disciplined hitters in mm-hmm. baseball. If you mm-hmm. look at the his like, I guess how much he walks versus how much he strikes out, it's a very alarming ratio. Um, obviously, so much talent defensively, and even has some some very very surprising uh, power uh, that he brings to the plate. But um, I guess I I just feel like the Mets. If they let it slip here, and if they don't even make the wild card, let alone the uh, winning the division, it's just not going to be a good look at all. They just spent a lot of money on uh, Lindor's extension. I don't know if they didn't necessarily extend Baez. I think Baez would probably hit the free agent block. But um, it, yeah, just seeing a team with like young talent, guys like McNeil and Alonzo, obviously DeGrom is in his prime, and who knows how much longer he'll be in his prime. You want to get him to the postseason, but he's still been out on injury for you know several weeks now. They're just in a spot where if they let this slip, it's gonna be really sad for the fans. It's gonna it's gonna be a heartbreaker, and um, it's just a t- typical New York Met, you know, narrative yeah. right there. Where you right, know, it just, it's just a team that always disappoints. But yeah, uh, what I will say is I wouldn't give up hope if I was a Mets fan because right now the Phillies are leading the division, and they do have I mentioned to you earlier, Travis, they have a negative run differential on the season. So that almost kind of tells you that you know they're having some luck in terms of like okay we barely won this game we got blown out the next day kind of thing, um, but you know maybe that which means that Phillies are winning those close ones. But yeah, what I will say is that the Phillies might not be like a runaway candidate here. I do think they've gotten hot at the perfect time and they could be like a sneaky October team if they you know if they kind of keep clicking. But uh, let's park like you said at Harper and Wheeler and what they've done for this team so far. Harper and Wheeler, I think about a week or two ago, Travis, we both would say, okay, they're like knocking on the door of the respective awards, right? Of MVP for Harper and of Cy Young for Wheeler. They're both kind of like outside the top five, looking in like sixth or seventh maybe or something like that. But they've both really kind of asserted themselves as like, maybe not a favorite, but like a top three kind of guy for those races. Would you agree? What do you kind of think about where they're at at in those races? We can kind of... No, yeah. And, and, And even transitioning into those awards right now, I would definitely highlight that those those two guys are definitely of course like you said in the top three contending and contention for those awards zach you know zach wheeler having the season he's having today of course just saw he i think it was a complete game alex or he definitely got the win against it was it was a complete game yeah, complete game um you know he is almost out there every single outing pitching eight innings i feel like i feel like every single time i see zach wheeler out there he's pitching eight innings or more going into complete game territory and then also with his his war on the season um i think it's actually maybe leading all nl pitchers or it might be one of the top guys i believe it's leading all nl players all nl players okay okay but yeah i mean zach wheeler has been just a crazy good spark for that phillies um team at the beginning of the season we all thought you know aaron nola is the ace on the team zach wheeler is kind of the the robin to the batman but you know zach wheeler has proved that he is the ace of that team he is having a great season and then also to turn on the offensive side 
Bryce Harper is having just an absolute insane, uh, you know, season this year. You know, you look at the, the batting line, the average, the on-base, and the slugging. It is up there with some of the best in the league. And then also just kind of taking charge as the leader of that Philadelphia Phillies uh, lineup. Um, both guys right now are definitely making strong pushes for those awards. You look at the MVP. Tatis, of course, was the runaway. He was the guy that was probably going to get it easily. He's now, of course, out for at least 30 to 40 games and probably the rest of the season. And so now that whole entire race just opens up. And now you look at guys like Muncie and these other guys. I think, though, Harper is going to be the leader in that. And then, you know, Soto is a guy that could be definitely approaching him as well. They kind of play the same position. Yeah. But I think Harper, with being, of course, on the winning team, because voters do like to see that, he definitely is making a very strong push for the MVP. And, hey, that's good for you and me because we got some money on that guy in Vegas. So. We, we do. That would be pretty sweet if he ended up did winning it for us. But, yeah, I pulled up some of the, the NL batting numbers here for kind of making the case for Harper, I guess. So for batting average, Castellanos is currently leading the National League. Trey Turner right behind him. And then you look down at seventh place in the National League is Harper at a 302 average. And this was before, all these numbers are going to be before today. And today I know he did hit a home run. Yeah. Um, Seems so, like he's doing it on every day now. Yeah. And so <laughs> these numbers uh, are updated, you know, before today's game. And uh, like I said, seventh in batting average in the National League. He's actually second in, in on base behind only Soto. Wow. So he's second and on base um, at 413, which is, uh, you know, it's way up there. And slugging, he's actually fourth behind only Tatis, who's out for a while. Acuna, who's out for the season for sure. Castellanos, and then it's Harper. Wow. So Harper is up there in the mix for pretty much batting average, on base, and slugging. His OPS is third best in the NL at 976. That's only behind Acuna and Tatis, who both may kind of be disqualified for injuries, assuming Tatis doesn't make some sort of quick recovery. Kind of surprises us with that. But yeah. looking at like the OPS, Travis, Harper is third. Castellanos is fourth. Muncie is fifth. And Soto is seventh. I feel like those are some of the best candidates. Yeah, definitely. Freeman's also down, Freeman's down at 10th. Um, he'd have to climb up, climb up quite a bit to kind of get back in the conversation. But... Looking at Soto, Muncie, Castellanos, Harper, I feel like some of those are some of the best candidates for the National League uh, MVP right now. If I, if I told you that like maybe two months ago, one month ago, like, oh yeah, it's going to be a race between Muncie, Harper, Castellanos, Soto, like you thought, okay, Soto was kind of slumping, I thought. Uh, Muncie started out hot, but you know, didn't think it'd last for the whole season. Yep. Castellanos was like a batting title guy, but you know, Tatis and Acuna's injuries really opened the race up, like you mentioned. And it's going to be fun to see like, it's almost going to come down to who has the hottest final month. Yeah. And so that's true. Yep. For, that's true for both the NL MVP as well as the NL Cy Young. And like you mentioned, Wheeler has been red hot as of late. And you can kind of just look at, uh, I guess, some of the other contenders for the National League Cy Young. And you can look at guys like Wheeler. You can look at the three-headed monster. I feel like all three guys on the Brewers have a chance in Burns, in Woodruff, in uh, Peralta, of course. Gosman also has to be in that list. And then, Travis, a guy who has never been on any of our all-month teams is uh, Walker Bueller. But he has had such a great last month of baseball. I believe he currently is leading uh, National League pitchers in ERA. He's right now pitching against the Angels right now. If nothing has changed, we only had scored one on him through a few innings. Um, Not sure how it's going right now, but essentially what he's been able to do on the mound in the last month, he's really making his case. To uh, yeah, looking like before today's start, he was at a two sixteen ERA, with uh, Wheeler was at two five seven. So even though Wheeler was great today, he's not gonna catch Bueller today. 
unless Bueller gets lit up somehow. But um, yeah, ERA title in the National League is going to Bueller right now, and then it's Peralta, Woodruff, Gosman, Burns, Wheeler. I feel like those six guys, it's going to go to one of those six guys. Definitely. But it, it could be any of those six guys, which, really is really, which is really crazy. It really could. And that's the magic of the NL right now and the awards. It's kind of still really up in the air. Uh, we'll get into the AL in a little bit, but uh, yeah, it's just crazy. And also, I want to highlight one last team in the NL East, of course, the Atlanta Braves. You know, we saw Acuna get hurt. I believe it was right at the beginning of July, um, you know, torn ACL out for the year. Um, kind of just a just a just a freak accident on the warning track down in Miami, but ever since then, of course, they've added Eddie Rosario and also Adam Duvall, which Adam Duvall was kind of kind of almost like I want to say that heartbeat for that twenty twenty Braves team, but he was a big impactful player on that team. They add him, and, and he, so far he, he got injured at the worst time right before that Dodgers yeah. series. I'm pretty sure, or right at the beginning of it. I don't quite remember, but losing a guy like that at that kind of time. When you like did you did lose a series in seven games uh, to go to the World Series? Yeah, it, you know if they had Duvall there instead of like a guy like Pache, or I, I know they also had like Marquecas. Give some of those abs to Duvall, and maybe things change. It's yeah. really uh, re- yeah. I guess it's a good sign for those Braves fans to see him back for sure. Exactly, and at least seeing him back in a Braves uniform, I think that gives him a really uh, at least gives the fans kind of a, a a good player to see back in the uh, back in the uniform and, and wearing. Um, wearing that Braves uniform. But, I mean, I think that last couple of games, he's actually been very impactful, seeing some home runs out of him. Um, it's nice seeing the lineup kind of get back into order. Um, two games back of the Phillies right now. They're actually only a half game back, of course, from New York, and that'd be kind of crazy to see New York start the weekend at first and possibly drop to third by, you know... In a week's span, by, yeah. by literally four a few, games. A few days, Four yeah. days. And so um, NL East is by far one of the most interesting divisions. We knew about it. You know, beginning of the season because it's funny. Me and you both picked some of those teams to be some of the most overrated teams or underrated teams in the twenty twenty one season. Yeah, we, we yeah I had I had the Braves as overrated. You had the Mets as overrated. Maybe we were both right, Travis. Maybe it's yeah. going to be the Phillies yeah. and those other yeah. teams are going to be and, five hundred teams. And I thought, of course, Philly could be a little bit underrated team. And right now, they're really proven to be that. And of course, I think we've discussed so many times this division. The winner will probably not even have 90 wins. I mean, it'll probably be an 88 win. It's going to be it's going to be odd to see. Which is funny because you look at this and you say, I mean, there's no wild card team in the NL East. It is strictly a division winner and then that's pretty much it and they're probably going to have to go on to play the the Milwaukee Brewers as the way it's looking up right now because you're probably going to get an NL West team that wins the division is going to be the best team in um in the NL and going to have home field advantage yeah. at least for the whole entire NL playoffs, but um, interesting division and in, in all, but you know we'll move over to the kind of the counterpart of the NL East. And we'll go to the AL East because there is some interesting stuff going on right now in that division as well. As we see, it's a really a four-team race, and all four teams, some are playing a little bit okay, but some are playing really strong and having really bounced back, um, really bounced back. You know, second halves. And I'll start, with, of course, with the 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 third and the fourth place teams right now, which are playing really hot, and that's the Yankees and the Blue Jays. We'll start with Toronto. Toronto, of course, has one of the best lineups in baseball right now. Yeah, some of the best offense. They sure. are clicking. And then, of course, getting having Ryu and having Robbie Ray, two outstanding pitchers right now in the AL, and then also acquiring Jose Barrios from the Minnesota Twins. It really feels like this Blue Jays team is going to be clicking and really moving forward for a playoff spot yeah. and a wild card spot, especially even coming back to their home field in Toronto, Canada, and not having to play in, you know, Buffalo right. or Florida anymore. So right. I really see them making some big strides. And this weekend, I don't know if they actually swept them, but they won the series against the Boston Red Sox. 
um, who right now is, you know, first in the wild card um, setting right now. And we're seeing the Red Sox kind of slip. But I'll start with the Blue Jays, Alex. What do you see from the Blue Jays right now? Yeah, uh, Guerrero, I know he homered today. He is, you know, continuing his case to be the second MVP in, uh, in the American League after Shoei, of course. He's, you know, not literally slowed down at all. Whenever he has, he always kind of bounces back. So he's been like, the, you know, the big thumper of that lineup. But getting Springer back, Travis, after having a first half full of, you know, IL stints and stuff like that, um, obviously a huge impactful piece. We know he's not only viable to them in the regular season, but if they do make a wild card game, if they do make a division series, he will continue to be impactful because we know what he did for the Astros, not only in 2017, but in 18, 19, he continued to kind of be a postseason guy who kind of thrived in those kind of spots. Even in 2020, I know he had a, a great uh, series against the Rays, even though they lost. But um, yeah, I think that the Blue Jays have so much upside. Uh, Semyon, they're getting a real kind of resurgence here from him, which um, I guess kind of came at the perfect time uh, for the Blue Jays. And getting Barrios and having Ray, Ray has his own breakout year, um, it's really going to help them in the series if they do make the playoffs. But that race is going to be very interesting, Travis, because I do see the Red Sox slipping right now. Um, and if I were a Red Sox fan, I I think they are concerned, but I would be concerned if I was, if I was them as well because... I just kind of feel like the whole year they've been kind of riding the momentum and for good reason. Devers has been hot. Bogarts is a great player. Um, Martinez had a great start to the season, but um, the pitching always kind of felt like it was overperforming. Guys like Pavetta, guys like Eovaldi, are they really these kind of ace kind of guys? Um, you know, they've been having great years, but uh, I always kind of saw them as kind of overperformers and I feel like they're kind of falling to earth a bit here. Um, I don't think at any point they were like more talented than the Yankees, than the Blue Jays, mm-hmm. than the than the Rays, I guess. Um, but they were kind of running away with the division early on. But now we see the Rays have kind of established themselves as like the division favorite right now. And uh, the Rays are obviously kind of have, have a nice lead they've built. Um, and that's just kind of a testament to how well they're run because they lose their ace in glass now and they deal away Hill. And, you know, they got Cruz, of course, but... It doesn't really affect them. They just kind of keep doing their own thing, and they're going to win the division probably. Um, but it really, it looks like to me, it's going to be like a, a Red Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays. I imagine one of those teams will be taking one of the wild card spots. Yeah, and it could really go one of three way, any of those three ways. And I guess, Trask, where do you kind of see that kind of race looking like in this last couple, of, you know, month or two of the season? Yeah, and I think of course you look at the. AL East, and you got to give props to the Yankees for adding, of course, two big pieces. Rizzo's been on fire for them, and then also Joey Gallo being, you know, a kind of a nice, impactful player. If he's not, you know, with Joey Gallo, you're not going to get the average. You're not going to really get... You get actually a little bit of on-base, because his average compared to his on-base is very different. It's kind of insane. He walks a lot. And so that's really nice to at least see him, because he doesn't have the worst speed. And then also Joey Gallo, to, to pair with the speed... He actually has great defense in, you know, either corner outfield place where he, where he you know, platoons out there. So I actually really like the Gallo trade, of course, and then also the Rizzo trade, which is really nice. Rizzo is, uh, you know, he, he was, he's been a, just a crazy good bat for the Yankees ever since they got him. He, I think he had a home run his first day as a Yankee. Yeah, it looks like a 163 OPS plus for him as a Yankee in the last nine games he's okay. played there. So he, that, that's all-star caliber. That's nice. almost, yeah. Nice. Maybe and, you know, what, what's really surprising is they're doing this without Garrett Cole right now. Garrett Cole is out with COVID. So he has been sidelined, and they've had, you know, guys just step up. One thing I will point out, though, with the Red Sox, we haven't seen Schwarber yet. Schwarber was actually acquired from the Nationals to the Red Sox. Right. So it'll be interesting to see him go into that lineup. And then also, we are looking at probably an August 14th return for Chris Sale. 
We haven't seen this guy since 2019, I believe, because he got hurt in 2020, actually, I think before the season even started. So Chris Sale coming back, we really don't know what, I mean, I will say I, I'm expecting to have dominance from him, but 2019 was kind of a... It was eh, a shaky year. It was a shaky year. So seeing him come back will be very interesting. And honestly, it could be one of the big acquisitions that we're not talking about that, you know, the Red Sox get back. They oh, it get, could. It they, could. They get back, uh, you know, I would even say one of the top five guys of the 2010 decade. You know, if you had to make all 2010s decades, you know, starting team. Yeah. He's on that starting five. And so... It, it really comes down to, yeah, you're right. He, I do agree. He would be like a top five guy in like a 2010s like decade, like starting rotation. Mm-hmm. But Travis, the year is 2021. And I really kind of wonder what kind of Chris Sale they're going to get back. I do think he has the ability to be a dominant pitcher. I have no doubts about that. But... The question is, are they going to get that guy right off the bat? Is he going to be able to return to form quickly after missing pretty much, you know, a good part of 20 or missing all of 2020, but like both off seasons, not being able to kind of fully, you know, rehab. And, you know, it, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's been a rough time. And obviously when they, they'll bring him back when he's, you know, they trust that he'll be ready to go, but it may take some time to get back to like the MLB kind of feel. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what he, we'll see how he starts out. Uh, you know, his I think I think it's this coming Saturday will be his first start uh, back in the Red Sox uniform, and it's super exciting to see he is you know an you know an all time great pitcher in, in in some ways. So and I will say that is interesting point you did bring up, but I will say I think we're the same way against Max Scherzer, and Max Scherzer just proved us wrong because he's having a great season this year. Sure, and so. Yeah. You know, with Chris Sale, it'll be interesting. I mean, it, it, like I said, it'll yeah. be it'll be fun yeah. to see him back for the Red Sox, and they're in, of course in a strong position. Um, they have the Yankees number, and I know they have some games against the Yankees still left in the season. So of course, those will be some pretty big series um, to finish think, out. the I season. I think we might actually be going to one, Travis. I think so. I think we're going to that uh, late September one at Fenway Park, which of course it should be is, exciting. Uh, is circled on my calendar. It, it'd be awesome to see a meaningful game there if it, it was would. a really tight race for maybe the first wild card spot or something like it that. It really would. It really would. Um, and, and, and with the NL East, though, I mean, I'm honestly too. I, I mean, they're they continue to prove me wrong, but I'm still not, of course, confident that could could can the Rays hold on to the three game lead. Honestly, they'll probably prove me wrong, and they will. But I can honestly see one of these teams come through again. Sure, sure, I I do agree. I do agree that you know, the AL East probably has three teams that could somehow sneak the division win. But the Rays, every it just seems like every single time they will overperform, right? Definitely, and it's it's not it's it's gotten to the point where it's not like a fluke. It's not like luck. They're not an outlier anymore. They're they're the real deal. Right. It seems like year in year out they kind of always get a few more wins than they're projected to get and all their pitchers kind of overperform what we expected of them and the bats um i guess always kind of catch up any slack um we saw just today uh what's his name uh phillips hit the oh yeah brett phillips of course just n- n- another role n- guy n- not exactly a, a power hitter but hit, had a grand slam i think a two home run game for him yeah. they're just they're just the epitome of kind of finding a diamond in the rough and guys step up at the right time but i do like the rays a lot to win the division and Travis, the Angels are a team that's about, I believe, six and a half, seven games back of the wild card. Uh, you know, six and a half. Yeah. In a lot of ways, you can kind of look at it as like, okay, maybe they're out of it, but it's really going to come down to the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Yankees, the A's. The Mariners are in the mix, but I really feel like those first four teams I mentioned are going to be, you know, who's going to get hot and take the wild card spots, who's going to fall off, and you know, give a team like the Mariners or the Angels a chance. Um, you know. I'm interested to see how the race kind of ends up. 
it's just so funny comparing AL and NL right now because we mentioned earlier, Travis, the NL, these award races are so up in the air. Yeah. But the NL, the the, the division winners for the Central and then for the uh, for the West, uh, we know three teams from the West are going to make the postseason pretty yeah. much. Yeah. But then for the AL, it's such a it's such a big kind of mishmash. Like it the is. wild card race is so undecided it in is. the American League, it and is. it can go a handful of ways. So I'm excited to see how that how that shapes up in the next uh, month or so. It really is, and you know. I will say too with the um, with the AL East, you know, all these teams, of course, are just so star powered, and you know, I, I really would say the the, the true, I mean, the, I think the true winner, of course, was of course the Yankees going out and getting those big, you know, those big bats, and I, I mean that could really push them to be, uh, you know, kind of surging closer and closer to possibly a division, only set five and a half games back from the Rays right now, um, and it's interesting you pointed out, I think you pointed out the Mariners a little bit ago, but Mariners, you know. They almost had a six-game sweep of the Rays this season. They they literally almost had the Rays number. The Rays actually pulled off a win. I think it was last Sunday that, or it might have been last Sunday or last or this past Wednesday. But basically, it halted the Rays from being swept a season sweep by the Seattle Mariners. And then you see Seattle go to New York and just just get obliterated by the Yankees. They actually did win today, but overall, the whole entire series, the Yankees won the series three one. So it is interesting to see that. Um, of course, it's just it's just kind of random stuff where you, one team will own a better team, and then of course the worst team they just get owned by. So um, it's just of course how baseball works and all that yeah, stuff. But n- n- knowing these teams, Travis, in the AL wild card race, where do you kind of you know predict? Not like just your guess, I guess, but like just knowing like the A's, knowing the Red Sox that we've seen this year, knowing the Yankees that we've seen this year, and then knowing the way the Blue Jays are kind of on the rise. Where do you kind of see this wild card race shaping up if you had to kind of give your best stab at it? No, I know. And so far right now, I'd be scared of the Yankees and the Blue Jays right now because they are playing exceptional baseball. They feel hungry. Yeah, exactly. And you see, um, you know, you saw Toronto right now just kind of take a hammering to uh, to Boston. So the NL East, of course, we all knew it was going to be a strong division and it's still proven to be that way. Of course, Red Sox, of course, slowly kind of falling off and and. I wouldn't they, say disappearing yet, but they, they don't disappear, but they're kind of falling back to the pack. They have, they have, and, and we all thought that you know. I think we all were kind of saying you know, there looks like they're just going to be the division favorites, and they're probably going to win the division, and they're going to be a tough team to have. I think before the deadline, everyone was saying you know, oh man, they're going to go out and get root, you know, Rizzo. They're going to go out and probably get Kimbrel, but it seemed like the American League rivals got those two guys, and the Red Sox didn't. So that's kind of, of course, where you see in the past World Series champions. Um, you've seen kind of those deadline acquisitions. That's usually the big the big key into the success. So, it has the big impact, yeah. Exactly. So Red Sox not doing much. I will say it is going to be kind of interesting to see what's going to happen. Getting Schwarber, will that be enough? Who knows? Also, getting Sale back, will that be enough? Who knows as well? Um, but kind of moving on to uh, you know the, another division. I won't go over the Central because the Central is done. The Central is not even close. There. White Sox are going to be able to crawl to the finish line. White they'll, Sox they'll be having, fine. having a nice 10.5 game lead over Cleveland right now. If they win today against, uh, if they win tonight actually against the Cubs, they will be 11 games up on the on the Indians. Indians, of course, now are below the Angels in the wild card. So they're really kind of disappearing in the wild card and, of course, in the division. So I won't even talk yeah. about the Central. The Central is over with. The Central is done White Sox will have a nice cruise to the playoffs. Sure, yeah. Um, but, I, of course, talking about the West, because the West is another division where, of course, it is very interesting. Um, Texas and Angels and also Seattle, they don't have a shot related with the division. So Seattle right. is at a, eight and a half back for the, for the division, and Angels, of course, are 10 games. Texas, sorry, but you're 27 back. So, Yikes. you know, those teams are all done. But, 
you know, wild card, it does get a little bit interesting. So, of course, Oakland, three games back of Houston in the division. Um, I think Oakland's kind of like the Red Sox a little bit. I don't really see them, of course, making a kind of a leap back. We, we've seen the Astros. We saw them play the Dodgers this weekend, or th- this past week. They split, but they look so strong. They look so deadly. Astros, of course, best lineup probably in baseball, yeah. if not the best offense in baseball. Yeah, but I think numbers-wise, the best offense right now, yeah. Most definitely. And so, you know, looking at the AL West, Alex, what do you kind of see from that? And where do you see some of these teams trending, of course? I don't want to be, of course, too biased because we, of course, you know, we support fans. we We support one of those teams, yeah. We do, of course, of course. But, of course, you want to be realistic and say where we see this kind of going. So I'll kind of give you your take. Sure, yeah. So looking at, the, I guess, the AL West current, the way they kind of stack up, um, I guess there's a few ways to look at it. So just kind of looking at some of the current situations of, like, I guess, Oakland, uh, Seattle, and the Angels. I feel like those are all the teams that are not yet, like, mathematically, like, out of this yet uh, in terms of the wild card. Oakland, obviously, currently sitting second in the wild card spot. Um, so if the season ended today, they would be in the wild card. But uh, Seattle is five games behind them in the wild card race. Angels seven games behind them in the wild card race. Um, my take on the current Angels and Seattle situation: Seattle has the better record right now. They're at eighty nine and eighty, sorry, fifty nine and fifty four going into today, whereas the Angels are fifty six and fifty five. So that's two games difference uh, in terms of games back. But the run differential is actually better for the Angels than it is for the Mariners. The Angels are a minus thirty three in the season, so a negative run differential. But uh, the Mariners are at a minus 51. So the Mariners actually have allowed, I guess they're essentially allowing more runs than they're actually earning uh, in comparison to the Angels. So uh, the A's have a plus 58. So in my mind, looking at run differential, if you're going to give stock to that kind of stat, the A's really are locked in as the second best team in the division uh, after the Astros. But in my mind, the Angels should be above the Mariners in a lot of ways. Just record-wise, they're a couple games back there. So I do think the Angels could take a bit of a charge here, a takeover at least the Mariners. Right now, Toronto, Travis, is actually very surprising to see. They have a plus 124 run differential. That's like on par with a lot of the league like division winners, like these like over 100 run differential. Um, but they're only at 60 and 50. But yeah, they've outscored their teams by 124, teams that they've played. So I do see Toronto actually rising quite a bit. And the Yankees are only at a plus 15. So the Yankees are hmm. plus 15 with a better record than Toronto. But Toronto's at a plus 120, 124. So um, it's kind of interesting. You know, run differential is not necessarily going to be everything. But um, I do see Toronto, they're just outscoring their teams by way more than the Yankees are, more than the Mariners are, more than the Angels are. So I feel like Toronto actually could be really surprising here and might be able to put some pressure on either Boston or Oakland, if any of either Boston or Oakland kind of slips out of the top two wildcard spots, it's going to open the door for some of these teams. And I do see Toronto, in my mind, um, being one of the, probably the one of the biggest threats. The Yankees also have a shot for sure, just because they have so much talent. And if they kind of click at the right time, they could be, you know, a threat to win the whole, the whole league and go to the World Series. But, you know, I guess we'll kind of have to see how they shape up going into the postseason kind of run, because... Uh, they always seem to have injury issues or something always goes wrong for them uh, at, the, at the wrong time. So I guess, yeah, how do you see kind of this kind of race shaping up, Travis, uh, as we look in kind of Seattle and the Angels as well as Toronto and the Yankees are like kind of the four teams knocking on the door of the wild card race? I think uh, looking, of course, at the AL West and the AL East, I mean, a little bit of bias, but I think that all, or, you know, a little bit of, you know, 
you can't really measure anything, but I think that you looking at the at the Seattle Mariners not really having a lot of success when it comes to getting to the playoffs. You know, you look at their last playoff run was two thousand one. Yeah. I mean, I think you kind of look at that and you say, well, they really don't have the stamina to kind of get all the way to the playoffs. They usually kind of fade out or they barely just miss in you know the successful seasons they've had in the last twenty years. So I think Seattle, of course will fall short. Oakland, of course, is a team that's right there and, of course, is in the um, the wild card game of the season and is today. But also, you look at the Yankees and Toronto being so just powerful and, you know, almost they have so many things working for these teams, of course. You know, the Yankees have been kind of disappointed, but at least kind of getting their act together at least in the month of August so far. And if they can get their act together for the next two months, they'll, of course, pop, be in the playoffs. So um, it'll be interesting to see that. I mean, of course, Oakland is a team that always seems to be there they're always going to be yeah. in that wild card game they're always going to be playing for that one they game do, playoff they always do well in that full season marathon yeah. they'll do it but then of course they'll choke but they'll do it and and they'll and they'll you know yeah. do something or whatever but uh you know it'll be interesting i mean i think that of course you know being not trying to be biased but i think of course angels being seven games back we're not 100 percent out um i know looking forward to kind of the next couple next month at least of the season Angels play the Dodgers today, but the next series we have four against the Blue Jays. That, of course, will be a massive series at Angel Stadium. And then also looking forward to some of the other teams we're playing, we have four games also with the New York Yankees. So, of course, those are some big series coming up, and I'm not saying we're out yeah. and out of the of the whole entire race. And I know it's one more series against the the Oakland as well. So like exactly. we're playing these teams that are going to be ahead of us in the race, give us a chance to climb back. But Charles, the one big there's like we're driving down the road and we see the path right to get the wildcard game. Exactly. There's this huge roadblock in the middle, and I just see we, we still have to play ten games against the Astros. Yeah, you're right. And you're that right. is going to be so painful. It's going to be painful, and I think the one if we can take half of them, then it's not over. But yeah, exactly. the Astros are such a strong team, and it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be very critical this series. It is, and I think actually the one only the some good things about this are I think seven of the 10 are at Angel Stadium. So there is a little bit of a home field advantage because sure. we, we actually, we don't play the Astros. We, we actually bring our A game, I feel like, when we play at home. We, of course, went to a series earlier in the year and they split that series. But, you know, I think that playing seven of the games at home and also playing them pretty late in September, they could honestly already maybe have clinched the division. So maybe have a little bit of their foot off the gas pedal, be starting some people that maybe need some more reps before the playoffs, not bringing their A game um, all the way. So and, and one more thing I will add to that, Travis, is that right now the Angels are they're doing okay right now in the last couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And that's been obviously without Trout and Rendon, but also without Jared Walsh. And then right now we're playing without Shoei because we're playing an NL team. But if we can get to these AL wildcard teams as well as get to the Astros, hopefully get Trout back. You know, if that you know, we don't have in a September maybe. We, yeah, we don't have a date set. That you know, it, it's a, <laughs> you're right. You're it's right. a big question mark, and it's very unfortunate that uh, you know, the injury has you know sort of derailed him for a lot longer than we expected. But if we can get Jared Walsh and Trout back in the lineup by the time we get to those Astros series, then there's a much better chance that we kind of stick it to him and and kind of make a last minute push. Um, it sucks to kind of bank on these guys coming back because it's not only really fair to anyone that you know these injuries happened both all kind of fluky things. That's kind of the nature mm-hmm. of, you know, these mm-hmm. baseball injuries. But um, it would be very nice to see the Angels at least stay competitive in this last mm-hmm. month plus of baseball because I don't want to see, uh, you know, a last, you know, a last, you know, 50 games, us kind of just walking to the finish line. Yeah. We yeah. want to see uh, some of these young pitchers be called up, like uh, Reed Detmers, Chris Rodriguez, 
Patrick Sandoval has been doing very well. Uh, and some of these young bats in Brandon Marsh, Joe Adele, we want to see them get some meaningful appearances, right? Meaningful exactly. appearances on the mound, meaningful plate appearances against other good teams, against good pitching, against good bats. We want to see them uh, be kind of put into these spots so that hopefully in 2022, 2023, when these guys are everyday pieces, we want them to sort of be ready and feel like they've kind of been there in these late season pushes. Definitely. So as long as Enos can, can compete uh, late in the season, um, you know, at least, you know, worst case scenario, Travis, worst case scenario, we kind of spoil something for the Yankees. So we spoil something for the Blue Jays. Yeah. We spoil something for the A's. Hopefully and, the and, A's. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. If we can spoil <laughs> it for them and and let the Blue Jays and the, and the Red Sox take over the wild card, that'd be, that'd be fun for Angel fans. So it would be. It would if, be. If, if we can just kind of be, uh, I guess, a thorn in some of these teams' sides, that'd be great with me too. I just want to see, you know, the young guys kind of thrive during a spell when Angels have so many injuries that, you know, let the kids play and uh, we'll see what they can do down the stretch here. Yeah, and I, I mean, looking ahead to their kind of their next couple games, which is a little encouraging. I mean, you want to play meaningful games and, of course, playing four games, four games and three games, which three days, which kind of sucks because we have a doubleheader coming up this Tuesday. Um, but playing the Blue Jays, if somehow, some way, we can come away maybe winning three of the four games. And then also you look at, you know, playing the Astros. If we can bring some of an A game there, if we can take two of three, or even I'm honestly thinking if we can just take one of three in that case, we still, of course, put ourselves in a really good shape for a very, I would say, easy road trip. After that series, after next Sunday, we actually go on the road. We go to Detroit, who is below 500. We go to Cleveland, who is below 500. And we go to Baltimore, who is below 500. So that, of course, would be a big road trip if we didn't perform very well at home to kind of get back on track so that we're kind of looking at almost a late to mid-August, we're still in something some, somewhat of a race. Right, yeah. That's actually a good, I guess, a good note um, that this road trip is sort of a very doable stretch of games uh, against some teams that we know we can have success against. Even if Trout and Walsh are not even back by that point, it's kind of a good thing knowing like, okay, um, we can kind of take care of some of those road trip teams uh, without those guys and just kind of maybe when we get back to playing the Astros again, get back to playing the A's and the Yanks in about a month from now uh, or so, at that point, maybe we can uh, we can be kind of, I guess, full steam ahead kind of scenario. Yep, yep, yep. But um, like I said, it really is going to come down to like when we get our guys back. If Trout never comes back and Walsh also some, actually misses some more good time. News, the latest I heard is Walsh will be back this Tuesday for the Blue Jays series. Really? So There's a date. Okay. There is a date. So they're saying that this Tuesday he could be back, which of course is a very nice piece. Also having Shohei back in the lineup, playing AL teams. Yeah. Of course, that's a really... I feel like the Angel fans will be happy because we get somewhat of our lineup back. And then I feel like, honestly, like you said, if we can get maybe get Trout, if he's able to come back, I don't want, of course, to rush him at all. I, I don't want to rush him at all. So if we can have him back by September, of course, that could be a very nice piece. Who knows what happens? Right, yeah. It's going to be it's gonna be a wait-and-see kind of thing because mm-hmm. we do, you know, we're, there's no way we, you know, go on a sneaky run slash, like, make a wild-card win without guys like Trout and Walsh. Obviously, Rendon has already been shut down for the season, getting a surgery to the gear for 2022. Which I'm okay with that move completely. Completely, I yeah. want I want our guys to be healthy, ready to go for 2022. As some of our youth makes their first appearance, obviously Albert Pujols will be off of the Angels' uh, payroll uh, after this season. So hopefully they can have a Thank successful God. successful off season. But um, yeah, essentially, kind of being hopeful for 2021, but really planning for 2022. I think is the right move by the Angels, given their spot in the wild card race right now. Um, 
team like the Mariners also in a bit of a similar spot as the Angels where they're kind of looking towards the future with so much of their youth. Definitely. But um, I'm not exactly sure what, you know, what their window is going to be because, um, you know, a lot of this youth that they have, they obviously traded for a guy like Abraham Toro, who's also pretty young, mm-hmm. um, pairing with all these kind of rookies that they have on their team. Um, I do I do see a lot of potential for their future. But at the same time, um, it's it just an interesting... I, don't, I just don't know when the Astros are going to slow down. And, you know, windows kind of close quickly, quicker than you think. But um, they will probably lose Correa this offseason. And Granky. Who knows? Uh, they will probably lose Granky. Um, but, like, in reality, Granky has not even been an all-star with them this season. So... Um, it's almost like the young pitchers have almost taken over the the burden of of you know the the pitching on the on the starting side, and then they have some nice veterans in the bullpen, uh, and then of course their bats are just elite. Um, Bregman Altuve will be in the team for quite a while. Tucker has become pretty much an all star in his own right. Um, Gurriel will still be there for a little while. I'm pretty That's true. sure. That's true. But obviously losing uh, losing uh, Correa will have an impact. Um, it's just interesting. I'm I'm not sure. And the A's are a team that I feel like whenever they lose someone. In the year or two, they're just back anyway. So, they just reload, yeah. So mm-hmm. um, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting division. I really don't know how it's gonna shape up. Obviously, we have a lot of faith in the Angels because we know that guys like Brandon Marsh, guys like Joe Adele, hopefully can be you know in a couple years, uh, full, not only full time players but you know above average successful players with great bats and good in the outfield for us. Uh, kind of manning that field with Trout. Um, finally, some like kind of stability out there for us, which we haven't had this season. And then uh, hopefully, you know, finally, hopefully, hopefully, pitching gets addressed at the at the at the off season, at the deadline or something like that, and then we can you know get some arms to kind of complement our I guess some of the youth we're bringing up in the starting rotation. But yeah, there's, there's a lot to look at in the division, and uh, it can go so many ways in the next couple of years. Definitely, and that's something, of course, I want to ask you later. I want to go over kind of a we haven't done really a lot of Angels recap and a lot of you know their their strengths and their weaknesses, but I want to hold off and talk about the Angels pitching in a, in a little bit, but. Uh, no, to my comment on the AL West, you know, I see the A's having, to, I, f- I feel like I, s- I see this every year, but I have to see them falling off soon because I feel like there comes a time where you might have to, you know, start looking for trades for Olsen, some of these guys, because Olsen is a great first baseman. I don't know if the A's have the budget to keep him. They've always been that team where it's like, okay, they got a really good player, but they probably can't keep him for too long because he'll need to trade him or something like that. But We'll see what happens kind of with the Oakland A's. Of course, you say the Astros. They just always, you know, they, they, they just, we, we always see them as being, okay, they lost Springer. And then next year, they're going to lose Correa, most likely. Altuve was not doing that well. And then also you look at like Bregman, who knows what's going to happen with him. But they just keep on getting better, it seems like. And having Dusty Baker as their manager, I think he's actually a really big part of that because he's had the experience and the knowledge of so many different personalities and so many different teams. I think it really does help the Astros um, a bit. Seattle, of course, I think, of course, their window is still the future. I think they're looking at 2023, 2024, maybe to being like that pure striking team ready to go because they have a lot of youth on that team. But um, but yeah, the AL West, of, AL West, of course, is going to be uh, kind of a dogfight, I feel like, for the next yeah. you know five years. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. And before we kind of depart from the AL West, I also want to bring up a fact. We didn't mention this yet, Travis, but kind of breaking news a couple days ago. Ramon Laureano uh, tested actually positive for performance-enhancing drugs. That's right. 80-game suspension automatically. Um, he has been a really big piece in the A's this year. And uh, just kind of pulling up his numbers right now in 2021, uh, just a 246 average, but a 317 on base and a 443 slugging. That's good for 113 OPS plus. So a well above average hitter um, kind of being a defensive force in center field. We know that he, Travis, 
Angel fans know very well what he can do defensively because he continuously robs us of home runs, continuously throws out guys with his crazy arm in center field. Happens a lot of time. And he always has these just these home runs. He has 14 home runs in a year. But he always has these home runs against the Angels that are come at the worst times for us. And it really feels like as someone who has you know been in the division with him for a few years now, he really knows how to kind of put on the pain against the Angels for some reason, kind of almost every year. It pains me every single time and, I see that guy come to the batter's box. And yep. it's just, Travis, do you have some sympathy with the Dodger fans now? Because I know that you have been, you know, <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. Uh, as Angel fans, we like to give the Dodgers a hard time about the whole 2017 cheating, like you guys mm-hmm. feel like you were robbed of something. As an Angels fan, to have the guy who always hurts us so badly come out with performance-enhancing drugs, don't you feel like we should get a couple wins in the win column, Travis, just as compensation? Doesn't that seem kind of fair? I do, but I also blame Joe Madden a lot, too, because I think he's made some pretty stupid mistakes during the games. Uh, you know, I of course you see that. Yeah. I, I don't want to blame it on one guy. We've been hurt by Matt Olson. We've been hurt We've been hurt by Tony Kemp. We've been hurt by Matt yeah. Connell. We've been hurt by so many A's. And we've, 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 hurt, we've hurt by ourselves. Exactly. It's, it's, we, it, it's a lot of factors. It's mostly a joking question, but it's just kind of crazy to no, see. No, you're right. You're a guy right. that has hurt us this much uh, in, in Loriano too. I guess have this kind of crazy revelation. It's funny because um, I go back to about a couple of weeks ago when uh, Angels writer Jeff Fletcher uh, tweeted out, you know, Loriano is, you know, 0 for, 0 for 3 or something like that in the ballgame today. And he said, like, you know, kiddingly, like, for some reason, it always seems like Loriano was always hurting the Angels. And the then Angel I remember he came yeah. up in, like, the seventh inning and hit a three-run bomb to take the lead. And yeah. we're all just like, you really just jinxed us, man. Like, yeah. how could you do that? But, no, it's interesting you said because... He'll be 80-game suspension. He's going to miss the rest of the season. He'll miss the postseason if they get there. And also, he's probably going to miss the first month of next season. And so now you're looking at the Oakland A's as, well, could they be off to kind of a slow start next year for the first month? Who knows? Right. Um, and, and, and the, you know, they acquired Sterling Marte, obviously. It's almost like the perfect signing. No, yeah. It, it's someone almost, I saw on Twitter, someone almost said, like, maybe they knew that, like, a suspension was incoming and they yeah. went and got Marte. <laughs> That's true. That's because true. Because it almost fits the exact role. It does. Like, you're right. Uh, you're gonna, he's going to be batting on the leadoff, a lot of two hole, and he's going to be, uh, you know, a force in the outfield. Marte, perfect. Marte will be. But that is, of course, going to expire this season. Exactly. First month next season, they will not have Marte mm-hmm. unless they resign him, which they probably will not because they're the A's and they don't usually deal with those kind of contracts. Yeah. So, it, 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 interesting point you say that, like, beginning of next season they will probably be missing Loriano. I don't know who's going to be manning center field for them they'll have to figure that out I've, I've, I, they'll figure it out and I feel like they'll figure it out pretty well for some reason they, they have just knowing them probably of, yeah exactly but we'll move kind of to the AL awards because we know we capped off on the NL awards but Alex it's kind of funny because you look at the NL awards and it's so wide open you look at the AL awards it's probably about a two-man race for almost the major awards the Cy Young and of course the MVP MVP being it's Shohei Otani and Vladdy Guerrero Jr. Cy Young, honestly, it's probably Lance Lynn and Rodon, two Chicago White Sox players. And it's, it's you know, I would say Cole is kind of in the mix, but not really. And a sneaker that we discussed before we started recording, Travis, is Robbie Ray's having a very surprisingly, yep. very strong year. Um, he's always been great getting strikeouts, but this year he's kind of cut out the walks out of the equation. And it's just been really hard to hit in general. He, honestly, Travis, I think, facing the Jays in a wild card game, if they start Robbie Ray and then they can go to Barrios or Ryu as like the reliever almost and like have that kind of mix up of like strikeout guy going to Barrios or going to maybe a lefty slow pitcher in Ryu, they have a lot of options there. But yeah, I think besides Ray and Cole who are kind of outside looking in, it is just Rodonelin like you said. It's very, very narrow race for sure. It is definitely. And so that's just an interesting point about the A on the NL, how kind of they're different when it comes to 
the awards and we're seeing you know a huge scramble for the nl um alex but of course i want to ask you one question because i got it i saw on twitter as we uh were taking a short little break but um fox sports at mlb made kind of an interesting tweet they basically basically just asked you know the twitter world who do you think is the nl mvp and actually it's pretty interesting with all the comments you know the first comment of course you see is uh some guy saying i don't understand how people are saying bryce harper he said he has less home runs runs rbis and stolen bases than fernando tatis and by a large margin and a lot of the comments were saying tatis jr tatis jr everyone was saying you know tatis has to be the favorite but i don't know if these people think if if the season of the day who'd be the mvp but the season's going to end october 3rd it's not ending august 8th and so i see these people and i i think to myself okay but right now we know tatis is likely not to be playing for the rest of the season because of the shoulder shoulder injury if he comes back it could be a september kind of thing but who knows so i look at that and i kind of am like tatis of course right now would be the mvp if the season ended today he's had an unbelievable season i mean he was on pace for almost 45 probably home runs as a shortstop that's just incredible right there but Going back to the NL MVP, I feel like you have to look at Harper and say he definitely has, you know, you have to almost take Tatis and Acuna out of the whole entire yeah. conversation. Uh, unless Tatis is back in a couple weeks or something, which is not impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. It, I, it's just kind of a day-by-day thing where they're kind of assessing his shoulder. I heard a quote from Tingler maybe uh, a couple days ago saying, mm-hmm. like, Tatis is actually feeling pretty good about his shoulder right now. So maybe he's not going to be sidelined for too long. If he's back in a couple weeks... He gets to win the MVP for sure. Definitely, definitely. But if he misses like the month of August, then I think it's it, it, that's too many games. Exactly. We know he missed games early in the season on a, I think also a dislocated shoulder. He's just kind of kind of been banged up a lot. He's a very physical player. Definitely. Um, kind of hustling all over the place. But uh, if he's missing a, a, an extended amount of time again, I do think it would really hurt his chances. I imagine Travis like, you know, honestly though. If he does have like 120 games, but he games played, but he is like that productive, it's still possible to win because guys like Harper have missed games. Mm-hmm. Guys like Muncie have missed games. Juan Soto has missed games. So some of these guys, um, even though even though Tatis could have less than those guys, uh, less games played, he will not be out of it if he comes back in a couple weeks. Um, but I will say, Travis, let's assume that Tatis will be out for a month here or so at the minimum. If that's going to be the case... Then, uh, to answer that question for from Fox Sports, I really like Harper, like you mentioned. I also think Soto and Muncie are great choices. Um, it's going to be about who kind of finishes the race on the on a full sprint, who gets hot. And right now, Travis, we know that the hot guy is Bryce Harper. Exactly. Um, ho- several home runs this last week. I have him in fantasy, and I just get notifications <laughs> yep. on my phone. Yep. Bing, Bryce Harper home run. Bing, Bryce Harper solo shot most of the time because for some reason he doesn't get any RBIs. No one likes getting on base for him. And that's the most interesting thing about it. We talked about it earlier. Right now, Bryce Harper, 19 home runs. I don't know if he's actually been updated today. He might have 20 home runs um, if baseball reference hasn't, hasn't I believe, updated. I believe it's 20, yeah. 20. But only about 44 to probably maybe like 45 to 46 RBIs. I think I told you earlier in the week, I don't know when there's ever been possibly maybe an MVP whose home runs are... Pretty much his RBIs are doubled from his home runs. You know, Jess, he, he could win the MVP and have 60 RBIs. Exactly. As a power hitter, which is Hitting like a three in the hole, middle of the lineup, which a is three pretty, hole, a three hole of a division winner. That could exactly. happen. That could happen. And it'd be so strange. Exactly, but. exactly. And going and going back to what you said earlier, you know, about the whole Tatis could play 120 games and possibly the MVP. I know for me, I of course you always look back at 2019 with with uh with Yelich. You yeah. Know, he 
had almost all the better numbers for Bellinger. Bellinger, of course, was a great defender, yes. was on a great 106-win Dodgers team. So I totally understand that MVP. But I also look at guys and say, you know, I think, of course, you have to be playing a good amount of the games. You can't play 100 games and win an MVP unless you have 50 home runs. In those you, 100. And you put those counting stats up. And you're crazy in those stats. But, of course, the percentage stats will boost your way because of the sample size and, you know, how percentages work. Yeah. But I look at that and I see these people and I'm like, you know, I, I understand you guys want Tatis because he's having an unreal season. But if he's out for the rest of the season, Bryce Harper will probably pass him in any every counting stat. And every MVP voter is not going to give, you know, the MVP to a guy who is, you know, below in all these counting stats to a bunch of other guys because he hasn't played that many games. So... I don't really see it at all being Tatis's, you know, fair and easy. You know, he'll have the MVP. No, yeah, knowing that he's going to be out right now, there's going to be injury chances. And Travis, just before we are done with Harper, one more point to add. Just these last few years, pretty much ever since, honestly, since he was drafted, really, I saw some good points on Twitter about, I guess, the Harper discourse we're mm-hmm. seeing right now because he's been so hot um, this, you know, this last stretch of games. Uh, it, it's it's very interesting because he is someone who you could you could probably take fifty random MLB fans, just random teams across the league, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. AL, NL, just kind of ask them who's the most overrated player in baseball. I think Harper would get like top ten in votes for that easily. And then easily. you ask another group of hundred fans, fifty fans, say who is the most underrated player? I could see a good twenty percent saying Bryce Harper. It's just so funny that no, like exactly. he's one of the most he's viewed so differently by. The same people who watch the same sport, and it's really You're crazy. So right about that, yeah. it's really crazy. And you look at his numbers, and I personally think he's underrated. Um, I think the numbers he puts up in terms of on base, in terms of slugging, it's always very, very impressive. Right now, the home runs and the RBIs and the you know, the runs and the steals are not on the level of of uh, Tatis, of Acuna, uh, of what they did when they were healthy. But just looking at Harper's bat, and I guess obviously he has such a plate presence. You know, he works the count, he gets the walks, he gets the home runs. He is really uh, sort of a modern day a modern day slugger, I would say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and, and uh, he actually is base running wise has quite a few stolen bases this year. He's uh, improved in that regard, I'd say as well, or kind of kind of maintains some of his younger self. But Travis, ever since he kind of came into the league, I think I think it might have been Jeff Passan. I'm sorry for misquoting someone else, but someone was saying on Twitter about how. When he came into the league, he had this kind of style to him, mm-hmm. and he kind of had this personality, and he was like the young hotshot. I think that rubbed people the wrong way, right? And someone someone said if he just came five years later and was like kind of peaking at the time of Tatis and Acuna, he'd fit right in with those guys. Yeah, he'd be this young, exciting player, pimp who, everything. Who's who? Yeah, he has the bat flips. He has the stealing home plate. That was a famous play that happened yep. with Bryce, of course. Uh, something that's something that Tatis or Acuna would try to do, right? Yes. And it's just very kind of funny how he kind of fits in with those guys. His younger self fits in with those guys, but he came a little bit too early, and it's almost like he got so much hate and so much like I guess kind of people looking down on him early in his career, saying, "Oh, he's overrated. He was supposed to be like the best player. He was going to take the MLB by storm, but it was Trout instead." He, and he Har- was, Harper's just barely an All Star kind of thing. He was, I think, he was honestly compared to LeBron James as like the chosen one coming out of high school. Right. Just, I mean, you, I think we all saw. I remember in middle school, ESPN had him on for hitting home runs at Tropicana Field with an aluminum bat, and he was hitting him off the wall in the. In the stadium wall, not right, not right. the outfield wall, the stadium wall. <laughs> yeah. He was just mashing, and everyone was like, "Who is this young high schooler?" I think honestly, you bring up a great point, and that is so true. 
his attitude, he kind of is presented as like the bad man, the bad guy, the, the you know the bad boy of baseball. And honestly, I but think, the last five years, he's been nothing but great. No, exactly. Personality wise and on and off the field, it's like people just kind of will not let that early side go, even exactly. though like they kind of beat it out of him. Exactly. It, it's really exactly. sad to see. And yeah. I think the reason why is because he got brought up in the same time frame as Mike Trout. And yeah. Mike Trout, you've never seen him yell at an umpire. You've never seen him yell at a teammate. You've seen Bryce Harper do all that. And everyone kind of was just like, this guy's kind of, you know, an SOB. And, you yeah. know, we're, we're, we're not, we don't really like that. We, you know, of course, Trout is the guy who everyone, of course, wants, you know, every, every dad wants their daughter to probably date a Mike Trout, <laughs> just to put it that way. And, and Bryce Harper's kind of the bad boy. And also looking at that 2015 season that Bryce Harper had, he, you know, he's definitely a cocky guy, but he, he was cocky for the right reason because that 2015 team, I look at that season all the time and it kind of flew by me, but I look back at that season. I'm just like, you know, holy cow, what a season he had in 2015. No, it's all if, you time. Guys, if you guys are listening, of course, go and look that season up. It was all time great in 2015. Bryce Harper definitely got put on, he got put on the map his rookie year, but of course that season he just elevated himself. And right now this season, I think, Everyone seeing him sign the huge deal with the Phillies, signing it late in February, almost before, almost as spring training was started because he wasn't happy with the deals he was getting from the Dodgers, from these other teams, from the Nationals. I think even the Yankees offered him a deal in 2019. That was the same offseason as Manny Machado. And so he was kind of saying, no, I want more money. I deserve more money. And everyone's like, dude... In 2018 with the Nationals, you only batted 249 and you had an OPS of 889. How, how do you deserve Mike Trout money? How do you deserve some of these big contracts? And, you know, had a rough 2019, but then kind of climbed out of it. Of course, 2020, he only played 58 games because it was a 60-game season. But his on-base was 420. I mean, he had a great on-base. No, and definitely. his OPS was 962. And he led baseball in walks. And you look at this season, of course, not doesn't have an OPS above one point, you know, one thousand. But the only two that do in the NL is Tatis and Acuna, who you're are right. hurt. You're right. So who are he's, hurt. Yeah. You're right. So are hurt. So and so I really see Harper making that kind of comeback to MVP form. And he is, of course, worth the money this year. A couple years ago, I would have said overrated. This guy is a bum. You know, this, this guy just he he's so overrated with the money and all that kind of stuff. Now I'm seeing him as this guy is super underrated. He's having a fantastic season, so under the radar. And of course, I'm a big average guy. Him batting 302 now. I mean, I mean, I, I love to see that. And having a 400 batting average, you know, on base percentage, that just tells me that he is getting it done. You know, walking and also yeah, being productive, in, driving in more ways the ball. Than one, yeah. And so, you know, I, I like I like how we bring that up because I think that it was important to see Bryce Harper kind of get back to that state. And it'll be interesting to see how it happens with the rest of the season. You know, I think that, of course, two big names like Acuna and Tatis being out, it, like we said, it's it's open for everybody. And Charles, something that's kind of funny is I don't believe he made the All Star team. And no. Not only did he not get not only did not get voted in, but he didn't get picked in by the players and managers when they decided who the reserves were. And then Travis, a bunch of guys opted out. Mookie Betts, a right fielder who plays Harper's position, opts out, and you know many other guys opt out. Pitchers Degrom opts out. And the Harper doesn't even get picked as a replacement, right? So um, it's almost really funny how you see that kind of a lot. If you kind of look through the history of like famous players in baseball reference, you can find their like MVP seasons and you look over and there's no star. Like, oh, how is this guy not an all-star? And, and your, I would love to look at that. In your head, you must think like, okay, like he must have just got so hot second half, right? Like he was a good player first half, kind of stayed like in the pack, but I guess was for some reason not an all-star. And then boom, 
explodes at the right time. His team probably gets hot as well, helps the whole MVP case. And Harper is a real MVP candidate right now. And um, like we said, was not an all-star, but his team is surging and he is surging and he's a big reason why they've been good these last couple weeks. So uh, I'm glad we got to kind of, you know, get dive deep on him because he's honestly one of my favorite players to kind of root for. Um, he's just been such an exciting player these last couple of years as a Philly. That that one Grand Slam he hit Travis that walk off Grand Slam yeah, in Chicago. It, yeah, it, it'll always live in my in my memories. It's just it's such a, a, a I guess a it's a great moment. I guess and yeah. No, no, no. It, it was an all time moment, especially for the Phillies. I remember it was so big seeing him kind of have that 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 Kodiak you know that that moment in his career. Of course, the the, the game wasn't like it wasn't like a you know the end of the season. They won the division off that Grand Slam, but of course it was kind of a marquee moment. Um, for sure. his career, I think if you look at like some of the biggest moments, that moment will be on his like top ten so far in his career so far. Um, right, and and, and Tra- Travis, sometime down the line, uh, we discussed it earlier, but at some point, you know, in the next you know several months, we will have at some point a sort of a look at potential Hall of Famers, right? Like who is a Hall of Fame candidate, and years like this is what's going to keep Bryce as like a real Hall of Fame kind of guy who you're going to have to look at when one day he is on the ballot because. He's putting up some great seasons, and uh, some people will say overrated, some people will say underrated. But when we have that talk, Travis, we'll have to see where we see him. It'll be fun. His yeah. future going, yeah. and uh, he's gonna be a big part of that conversation. I'm sure it'll definitely be fun. But um, I'm glad we talked about that. I'm glad we got kind of our energy out on that kind of topic and all that stuff because it's gonna be interesting coming up. Um, I feel like Twitter always just riles me up because I always just see some of the biggest you know idiots out there, but I also <laughs> see some of the people that make a good point. But yeah, you see a lot of, 70% is probably just a bunch of, you know, people that have no business talking about <laughs> baseball. So it is really interesting. I know me Tell and you. Tell them to start their own podcast. Me and you, we have our DMs and it's just littered with with tons and tons of stuff like that. But kind of want to, of course, talk about the Angels because I know we haven't really talked about them too much lately. I know we've been kind of covering them for, you know, short periods of time. But to kind of finish the episode out, I kind of wanted to talk about them and talk about the starting pitching because we actually have seen really good starting pitching in at least the month of July. Looking back, I remember I saw a stat, the Angels starting pitching had the second best ERA in the month of July. So wow. really honestly started to click. And it sucks because that's when majority of our players were not in the lineup. You didn't have Rendon, you didn't have Trout, Walsh got hurt. So it was kind of, of course, a downfall. But looking at the starting pitching, Alex, let's just say the Angels, you know, we have a, we have a good, strong finish to the year. Of course, don't make the playoffs. You know, probably a couple of games back. Let's just say we're four games or three games back from the wild card. But we make a strong push. And, you know, the way so far that Sandoval has been pitching has been very nice. Suarez, too, been very nice. Cobb kind of, you know, he's been kind of a little, I will say inconsistent. Had a good start to the April. Then I think in May he was, it might be the other way around. Might have been bad April, good May, bad June, good July. I think that was what it was. But... Seeing him, of course, he's a free agent. Bundy had a had a pretty good start, you know, last start against the Texas Rangers, but of course, it's only one start. And then you see Shohei and a couple of these guys going forward. If you are Perry in the offseason, what are you what are you addressing with this starting pitching? Who are you saying is I I can depend on this guy? Let's just say Perry is looking for a five to six man rotation. Who are some of the guys that you say, okay, I can trust this guy because what I've seen from him, and here are some guys that I'm not 100% sold on. I might want to pursue some free agents to kind of give these guys the not so much the pressure to perform in 2022 because we, as, as we know, these next couple of years, Angels have probably the most pressure in baseball, I would say, because you have 
a fantastic team. You have two generation type players. You have one guy that's probably a one in a century kind of player in Shohei Otani. He is having yeah. the best season we've ever seen from any baseball player in the history of mankind, yeah. in the history of the earth. And so, and you have one of the best generational talents in Mike Trout. What do you do this offseason? Yeah, so there's a lot to, I guess, unpack with how we handle, I guess, the pitchers that, the pitchers that are on our team and the pitchers who we want to be on our team going forward. Uh, Detmers and Chris Rodriguez are guys who I'm glad they're getting reps now. They are our two highest-ranked prospects who have recently got the call-up to the bigs um, for starting pitching. Uh, C Rod had actually a great outing. His last, uh, his you know, his first, I guess, I guess first fully st- stretched out, like first real start uh, in the big leagues. He did very well. Detmers has had a couple rocky starts now, but I will say, watching him, Travis, I don't think either games he had any sort of meltdown. It was always just kind of like they put balls in play right, right where the fielders weren't kind of situation. Um, he didn't give up like these crazy nukes in any of the games. It wasn't like they got to him in that kind of way. Um, I do think there's a lot of hope for Detmers to have a you know a good outing before the season ends and then hopefully uh, gets a gets a stride in 2021 or sorry 2022. But um, I think Seawrod and Detmers will have to be in the picture for the beginning of 2022 as rotation pieces. Sandoval has certainly earned a rotation spot in the beginning of next season. Um, and there are some guys, Travis, who um, they're going to be free agents. I have to think about if we're going to resign them. And so the first two that come to my mind. Obviously, Heaney's been traded, so he's out of that picture for us. It's going to be Alex Cobb and Dylan Bundy as the two guys who, going into the year, they were in our rotation, and they both have been good and bad at different times, and it's going to come down to us to decide who we keep. So I I will I, I will give my two cents, and I will say that Alex Cobb, I know he has vocalized that he would like to be part of the team going forward. I did see he had a quote, Travis, where he said, yeah. this team can compete for a championship in soon. It's not, not that far out. So he believes in in our team, which is a good place to be at. With you're a pitcher, um, I guess if you're a, if you're a general manager trying to recruit pitching, that's what you want to hear. Uh, he likes being here. So maybe Travis, if he was willing to take not too much money, just maybe a few million for a year, or maybe you know, I I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm not I'm not the biggest numbers guy, but if mm-hmm. he's willing to take like under ten mil for a couple years, something like that, you know, I think he could be a very viable back end starting rotation kind of guy. And have good impact. I think that, you know, he's a ground ball pitcher. So if we can get a shortstop that can play some good defense uh, this year and, you know, kind of hopefully have Rendon healthy, have Walsh healthy. Fletcher, we know, always plays great D. If we can kind of round out our defense a bit, um, also have hopefully Marsh and Adele getting more reps in the outfield, continue to get good at defense. I think uh, a guy like a guy like uh, Alex Cobb is a great guy to keep if we can get him for the cheap because he does like being here apparently. I'd be welcome to keeping him. Dylan Bundy, on the other hand, is a bit different because he had a great 2020 short season and 2021 did not get off to a great start. At some point after Travis, we both, it was it was, it was shocking to see against the New York Yankees. He had a bit of a meltdown start and it was crazy hot and he threw up on the mound, which was, That's right. which That's was right. so shocking to see. And I believe after that start, if I'm not mistaken, is when he was demoted to the bullpen, which was just such a... A surprising turn. If you're an Angels fan, you do not you do not think that this season would feature Bundy being a bullpen piece. But he did recently get a start just just the other day for uh, Alex Cobb, who's out on a blister, and Bundy did well. So I honestly think if Bundy can kind of shape up here and finish the season strong, I'd be willing to keep him on a very very cheap deal, like almost like I'm talking like a minimum kind of deal. But I assume he wants to get paid at least a good amount because he did have such a good 2020. Um, 
if that's the case and he does want to get, you know, you know, a few million, several million dollars in the deal, I would be uh, happy to let him walk if that's the case. Um, and then I want to add a few pieces to that, Travis. So I'm I, guys I mentioned are Rodriguez, uh, Detmers, Sandoval, that's three. Cobb, that's four. Shohei obviously is one, but he's more of a kind of sixth guy in the rotation because he's going to obviously be doing a lot of the hitting as well. So I want to add at least one, if not two, starting pitchers in the offseason. And that can be via trade or that can be via signing. Guys like Galsman will be free agents. Guys like uh, uh, Noah Syndergaard will be free agents. Uh, I believe Stroman will be a free agent. There's going to be plenty of options out there. Kershaw even is a free agent. Uh, Scherzer, if he does not resign, will be a free agent. So there's going to be a lot of guys who will be in the market that are interesting targets. What I will say is that I really, a lot of people saw this Gaussman uh, thing coming. He has been so great this year that he really, Travis, I believe he accepted a qualifying offer knowing that he's kind of betting on himself, right? Yeah, definitely. He said, I can become a free agent going into 2021, or I can just have a great year this year and then get paid after. And he bet on himself mm-hmm. and he did so great this year. He's doing so great this year that you know, if for Angels to get a guy like Gausman, they'll have to pay big because he they has will. earned it. And honestly, whatever ends up being will probably be an overpay because I don't think he's going to have like a two-something ERA every year going forward. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's earned it. But um, it's hard to say who to target, right? But in terms of who we're going to keep, I do like some of the young guys we have. And I do think we need to add a couple of veteran but young veteran pieces. Maybe an old guy like a Scherzer or Kershaw if we do want to have that kind of veteran presence. Maybe one guy at the front for a big playoff series. But um, I do think there's a lot of excited, exciting things to look forward to with our young our young pitchers. Where do you kind of see that, Travis, in terms of our young pitching and who we could add? No, yeah, and I kind of look at it and I kind of separate it. And I, you know, I, I see Otani and Sanderville kind of being two guys that we will we will depend on, of course, for that rotation in 2022. I also see, you know, like you said, I think Cobb and Bundy. It'll be interesting to see, of course, how Bundy finishes out the year. He could finish out the year really hot, get that ERA down. And honestly, possibly, maybe he signs another short-term deal, or maybe he signs with the Angels, extends something with them. Same thing with Cobb. We'll see. I think Cobb and Bundy could possibly both be signing for, like you said, under $10 million, can get them for really cheap, and could possibly just be kind of that nice 4-5 to five guy as like a backup option and maybe grow as the season goes on. Could possibly be a nice guy to sign and kind of maybe work your way. Maybe possibly could be a good trade guy later on if you need that. Um, I don't, of course, see... Um, you know, guys like Canning and guys like Detmers, I don't want to, of course, put them in the pressure of, okay, you're in the rotation. You need to start performing like a, you know, you need to start having that ERA in the threes and, you know, kind of put that pressure through them. Cause I think that's going to be a very bad, uh, situation and very bad result for those two guys. C-Rod, I actually do see kind of being a guy that could possibly be in that rotation. He's actually, I think, matured and has done really well. I'm actually really impressed, of course, with his relief outings this year and also with the first start he made against Texas. Was, of course, a loss, but that's because, of course, no run support. But I was really impressed with his first start. I'm looking forward to seeing how his you know season progresses. But I think, like you said, I think going out and getting two free agents, maybe even one by trade, but I think getting two free agents that are that are of course seasoned veterans, getting a guy like Noah Syndergaard, I think would be a great sign because of course you know a flame throwing right handed pitcher who you know has had experience of course in the bigs. I think that's a big big thing to see. And then like you said, also maybe even getting a veteran like Scherzer or getting someone even like Verlander or something like that. I know I don't really see Scherzer or Verlander wearing the Angels uniform, but 
possibly exploring that kind of market and seeing what we can get from those kind of guys. Um, I think it's really big. I just, of course, I don't want to put all the trust in everyone saying, okay, we're looking at Otani, Sandoval, Suarez, Detmers, C-Rod, maybe even Cobb for the 2022 roster. I don't honestly see that roster being insanely successful and possibly getting us to the postseason. Um, I think we need a guy who's going to be able to pitch. You know, I feel like Madden needs to, of course, get a pitcher where he can he can safely say this guy's going to go seven to eight innings every night. You know, going to be a workhorse because looking at our looking at our starting pitching, we have zero guys right now on the Angels that are at ninety innings this season, which is kind of like that's yeah, it, it, it's alarming. Kind of, it, I mean, I blame a little bit on Madden, but I also am just kind of like and there's injuries in there as well. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah. but it's kind of interesting seeing that because you look at guys like Cole and you look at guys that like Lance Lynn, and they're already at like the 150 inning march. Or, you know, they're already at 130 plus innings pitched in the season. And we're just kind of not even at 100, not even at 90 innings pitched. And so I want to, of course, get a pitcher. And, of course, that's every single season. We always say that we need to get pitching, but we desperately need to get pitching. Um, And I think we just need to get two really veteranized, good starting pitchers. And like I said, trades could be options as well. Who knows? Yeah. Um, But like I said, I think I'm, I'm really confident on seeing that kind of trade and that would be I think a really nice catch for the Angels because that would be at least having Otani be the number two or three would be kind of like that, that'd be pretty scary right yeah it'd be way off his shoulders too I'm sure definitely uh Travis it seems like every year we kind of hope for like a big fish in the free agency market and we always end up with someone who we didn't really want as much like a lower kind of guy we were expecting and that's the way it goes pretty much the last several off seasons that's the way it's been and so I really do think that it's just time to just say okay we have the money to spend, right? Pools will be off the contract, off his deal with the Angels. Elton uh, has one more year. Artie Moreno's not going poor anytime soon. So let, let's <laughs> exactly. just let let's just let's just either I mean, there's a few ways we can go about it. We can go sign a really big name arm or we can try to make a big trade. But I, I think it's just time it's just time to say if we don't just commit, let's try to actually win. Let's not I don't wanna be competitive, right? I wanna like let's just try to build a winning I be team dominant, yeah. right now get some really, really big arms. I think that is really what it's going to take to, uh, you know, I guess to make Trout feel like he made the right decision by staying yeah, an angel. definitely. As well as try to convince Shoei Otani to stick around once he does become a free agent in a couple seasons. Um, he will be a free agent, you know, sooner than later. And if we are, don't make the playoffs in that time, I'm not sure why he'd want to stay. Obviously, it's great to live in, in, in SoCal, in Orange yeah, County. Yeah. You're going to be by the beach. I'm sure Otani, you know, doesn't mind that at all, but uh, in re- in reality, Otani I know is a competitor, and he's gonna want to you know he's not gonna want to be in a losing team year in year out. So uh, when it comes down to it, I think it's just time to make a big deal. Uh, it could be a signing, it could be a trade, it could be both. But I do think that you know going after a guy like you know Luis Castillo was in trade talks in the off season. Mm-hmm. Um, Sonny Gray is always kind of in these trade talks too. I think just you know giving up some higher level prospects for some big arms. I think just. Is something that needs to be highly considered. Because um, we're always playing this game every single offseason. We're always playing this game every single year. I feel like it, we always are going in saying, we have the, we have these guys that are, you know, they, they, they look doable. You know, I feel like we're always going to spring training as like, I think, I, I think I'm pretty happy with the team, but it's just it, like, but it's in a, our heads, we're not happy it, with it, the team, it, you know? It's always like we kind of built more of a budget bullpen, yeah. which is like sort of been the theme. Like a couple off-seasons ago, it was Bundy and Tehran that we added. And this last off-season, it was Cobb. And it was uh, Quintana, who we had hopes of, you know. Don't even uh, bring his name up. Obviously, a guy like Bauer <laughs> is someone who we were probably, at this point, happy to avoid, just yes. given the off-the-field stuff. But 
Um, I think that and the $40 million was very good to avoid. Oh, it was, yeah, it, yeah, it was a huge amount. And, and we don't know how that deal will end up looking in the future just because, you know, he may never even play again. He may never play for the Dodgers again. He may come back. Who knows? It's like so much up in the air. But, um, yeah, essentially, there's just no way to say that, oh, yeah, the Quintana deal, the Tehran deal last year, there's no way to say that those were good signings. They've just been very bad uh, in every, any way you can kind of look at it. So I think kind of, steering steering it's important to be smart and to say okay there's good value here there's good value with this signing or that signing but you can do that and also go get the really big arm you can get like the really big name all-star guy definitely and then kind of fill in some of the holes with like okay this is probably a sneaky signing here sneaky trade here for an alex cobb type that's all fine and good trading for bunny trading for cobb you know good fine but also you can also make either a big trade for a big arm like a luis castillo who knows who's going to be available maybe a herman marquez definitely we'll see when the time comes but um when it is time to make the big trade i hope that you know gm perry manassian will be able to do so and uh you know it's really going to come down to the moves we make these next couple off seasons we'll determine i guess how our decade goes as an angel fan because we want to keep Shoei around we have to kind of prove to Shoei and trout that we're ready to compete and hopefully we can just be healthy for once, Travis. Because honestly, we can make all the moves in the world. And if Trout's going to miss the whole season, if Rendon's going to miss half the season, then our odds aren't great anyways. Exactly. So let's hope for some healthy team. Hopefully, if there's an issue with any of the uh, the medical staff or anything like that, hopefully that gets worked out. Because some of the injuries have been off the charts these last few seasons. Yeah. So many missed uh, starts by pitchers and so many uh, you know IL stints from our batters. But that's pretty much everything, Travis. Anything else you want to touch on? I feel like we've pretty much covered everything. Yeah, and I think, of course, as the season progresses and as maybe the offseason you know, nears, we'll, of course, have more updates on that kind of stuff. I think we'll have an episode where we'll definitely be, you know, who our main targets are for the offseason and who, who our main targets are for the free agency. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll get there, yeah, for sure. We'll, we'll play a little We'll play a little GM role a little bit, too. But, yeah, uh, but yeah I, I think that really sums everything up. Um, you know, we just keep kind of – we keep staying in the race. We kind of keep staying and fighting. Um, I think today, of course, we lost, and we're going to lose a series to the Dodgers. But you know what? I'm not upset about that. T- t- tying the season series. Is, tying is... the season series, I think, also is a win for the Angels because then you kind of tell the Dodger fans, you know, you guys are World Series champions, but you can't even beat the other team in L.A., which you guys think are just a bunch of bums, but you really can't You can't really yeah. hold us back. So, uh, no, but it, it, it We'll take is, it. We'll take it. Exactly. We'll take it. And, you know, getting back to uh, to playing on, on, uh, on Tuesday against, you know, AL team, so we'll be able to have Shohei go back and uh and play his regular duties um it should be interesting to see how it goes and you know big homestand coming up but of course um you know we just keep on getting near let's hope we get healthy let's hope we get uh a lot of our big bats back and our impactful players but yeah yeah that's pretty much everything um so yeah thanks everyone for listening appreciate all the support and all the listens uh and Travis, we'll be back at them next week with some new, fresh content. So Most definitely, yep. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time. Presented by Tool Tools Podcast. <laughs>